Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. Alongside me, Josh Marlowe, today as the Tar Heels are now within two weeks from the start of the 2021 season when they will, of course, travel up to Blacksburg, Virginia to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies. Today, not quite diving into that game just yet still a few more uh things that we've got to get done before we end up doing that including we're going to play a little bit of a game of over under in terms of uh things that could happen this upcoming season uh we do have our official record predictions that we're going to hand out today and then we also have some things that we'll talk about at the end including a look at preseason week number two some of the guys that have been cut uh that are former Tar Heels and a little talk about the alliance that is apparently coming together between the ACC Big Ten and Pac-12 but we start with uh, some news coming out of camp as well as uh, another big storyline that we'll touch on here right at the end uh, Mac Brown met with the media again on Sunday following Saturday's second scrimmage of the fall started out by saying that he has already had conversations with most of the guys about their roles heading into this week. At the time, he said he still had some that he had to go through. He has seemingly finished all of those to this point. Uh, Basically setting up, he said that the last conversations he was going to have were going to be on Monday. That set up what would be a basically one-week sprint to the finish uh, where he said most decisions on who will start and who will play, that's how he phrased it, in the opener will be made by Monday. Basically, the guys that will start, uh, he'll t- he'll let them know, and the guys that are going to play some sort of role in that game, some sort of reps, uh, will also be you know notified by Monday as to what exactly their role is going to be uh, when they make the trip up. Uh, battles that are still ongoing right now are at backup quarterback. Not much separation there. Jacoby Criswell, Drake May continue to go back and forth. The interesting thing that uh, you could take away from what he said about that battle was that Jacoby Criswell does hold the uh, 
experience uh, edge, which of course is true, but that's probably something that when it comes down to it, they may or may not be able to, uh, that, that may or may not factor in in the end. Same thing could be at running back where Mac Brown says that uh, they you know are still having some battles going on there. You would assume for that third running back spot, he has talked about a lot throughout the summer. Uh, he's hoping that this group looks similar to the one in 2019 when it comes to the skill positions. Looks like the wide receivers are starting to look like that. Now he wants the running back core to look like that. And remember, they had three guys back there, not just two back in 2019. So they're trying to find that third guy. I think one of the big things they're trying to find as well with that is a guy that can pass protect because we did hear him say uh, about Caleb Hood, how Hood is still working on some of those pass protection things considering that he was a quarterback at the high school level. So we'll have to see uh, you know, what Carolina does there, how much somebody would play. But he does say that, again, experience matters there. There. Guys like Josh Henderson, British Brooks, because they've been in the system, because they've had to learn how to pass protect, probably hold a little bit of an edge there. So we'll see if in the final week one of those freshmen can jump up and show enough in pass protection that they could be able to play. And then the other one that he talked about was corner. That's one of those positions where he's not really looking for guys to step up uh, that haven't proven themselves just yet. It's more about guys that have proven themselves who's going to be able to step up and play the most reps out of that room he pointed to the fact that that room is absolutely loaded with talent this year with Storm Duck being back to full go uh, he is now you know in that rotation along with Tony Grimes Kyler McMichael and one guy that's been mentioned a lot throughout the, uh, the, the really the summer and into the fall months has been uh, DeAndre Dede Hollins uh, he's a guy that Heard a lot about as a guy as the fourth man. Looks like he's going to play a pretty significant role as well. So we'll see how those work out over the next week. Four wide receivers appearing to uh, have separated themselves at this time. That was one of the positions where they were looking for a little bit of separation. Uh, they have plenty of depth. Mac Brown talked about that, but to to this point in camp, it's of course Josh Downs continues to be the guy that everybody talks about. He's going to be the leader of that room. Emery Simmons has done some really good things. I think this may finally be the year that your prediction is right on him breaking out. Mac Brown talked about him again as a guy that uh, has just been extremely consistent in camp in terms of his effort, uh, has really good toughness, uh, so he thinks he's going to be a big factor. Uh, he said Antone Green has really stepped up this year. One of the big things for him has been confidence. That was something that we heard from Green himself when he met with the media a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that's one of the reasons that he feels like he's been able to sort of get himself in a good position to compete this year. And Mac Brown believes that's the case as well. So it looks like he's going to play a pretty significant role. And then Justin Olsen, we've heard a lot about him, but this was really the first time that Mac Brown has pretty much confirmed that he is going to play and play a lot. He said that these four guys that I just mentioned. They are guys that have pretty much played every snap when it's come to playing with the ones. Justin Olsen has been in that group. Uh, something that I think is is a little bit 
that I wouldn't say shocking, but a little bit surprising uh, to see that he's gotten to that level so quickly, especially with the fact that he really wasn't much of a factor the last two years. But now he's a guy that they really like on the outside. He's somebody that they're going to take advantage of him being able to catch the deep ball. That's something he's done a lot so far in camp. And there's some there's some versatility with him. Mac Brown says that they have used him out wide, and they've also put him in the slot. So there's going to be a couple of different roles that he's going to be able to factor in in this season. And we heard that from Olsen himself and Lonnie Galloway earlier in the week when they talked with the media. So looks like he's headed for a pretty sizable role himself. Mac Brown also touched on the recruiting success uh, and how quickly it has come. That's the one thing that shocked him. He thought that they would be able to recruit big-time guys, but he thought it would definitely take a little bit longer than it has taken. He has been a little bit surprised with how quickly the success has come, uh, but you know, part of that is that, look, the state of North Carolina has been fantastic over the last few years. I mean, this year, not the greatest in-state class in terms of the sheer number of prospects, but you've got a gem in five-star in-state uh, defensive lineman Travis Shaw, who the Toriels did land a commitment from uh, in the 2022 class, number four overall player in the class, and uh, the, the comparison on 24-7 sports website uh, is one that should excite you because I think it's pretty much spot on. Um, I don't remember the analyst that that gave the projection. Compare him to Akeem Hicks, uh, who is a tremendous defensive lineman for the Chicago Bears. Really basically just saying he's a versatile guy that can play all over the place. He's plays with a lot of fire, a lot of physicality, but he also has a lot of athleticism to him. I think the biggest thing, and this is where we'll finally bring you in here after touching on some of these opening notes here, is when you talk about this commitment, I think this really, we've seen a lot of Tar Heel fans that think that this is starting to show the signs of building a contender. And I think that it's getting to that point. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing that you have to figure out now is how does this translate onto the field? Because the recruiting success is there. Now it's about translating it into results on the field. I think that's the biggest thing. If Carolina wants to keep recruiting the way they're recruiting and they want to legitimately challenge Clemson because the, the, the commitment of Travis Shaw was a step, you're still many steps away from what Clemson's doing on and off the field. The results have to come on the field. And I think Mac Brown has echoed that, that, yeah, they made the Orange Bowl last year, but a lot of things factored in that Orange Bowl appearance due to the COVID-restricted season – They've got to win, and if they can win big this year, and even, and then if they can win big, I think post Sam Howell, because we credit a lot of this to this success, and even Mac Brown does. Mm-hmm. You flip Sam, that changed everything. That's what started it. He mentioned that again in the press conference the other day. Without Sam, uh, none of this would have been possible because in-state guys see a guy like Sam who was committed to at the time a, a place in Florida State that still had a good reputation. Yeah. They're saying, hey, if he thinks that he can do it here, maybe I can. So if now if this program can take the next step this year, make an ACC title game, make another New Year's Six Bowl game, it's easier to get a couple more of those five stars to come play here and, and get the kind of talent and the depth you need to play with the Clemsons, the Alabamas, the Oklahomas. But it, we're, we're at that point now where the recruiting has caught up. Now you got to go win football games to be a, a, a legitimate elite program. Yeah, I mean, they're doing everything that they need to do on that front. 
front, and now it's just about being able to put the results on paper, which we think Carolina has a pretty good opportunity to do this season. We'll, of course, go through their schedule, sort of predict their record here uh, a little bit later on, but let's go and do some over-under. I saw this. uh, There was a guy... Uh, on Twitter, um, in one of the groups that I'm in, he was bringing up, he, he threw this question out uh, regarding uh, one of the wide receivers about whether or not uh, he felt that, or, or guys in the group felt that he would reach a certain number of touchdowns on the season. So I figured let's do a little bit of that here on the podcast. That's a pretty good idea. Um, these are not official in any way. I tried to look up Vegas props bet, prop bets for uh, college football. I don't think they do those for the season. I think it's only just you can bet on games. You can bet over under on records. I think that's pretty much it. So I made up some of these lines myself in terms of milestone areas that guys would potentially be able to reach. So the first one, are you going over or under on Sam Howell with 39.5 total touchdowns. So if you're going over, he reaches 40. Yeah, uh, I got the over. I think he's going to be a Heisman finalist, as we mentioned last week on the bold predictions. You're going to be a Heisman finalist with a quarterback. you got to put up some big numbers. This is an offense that's going to have to throw the football, we think, early a lot, a lot early on in the season. A lot of wide receiver talent depth. I've got two receivers that I think are going to get double-digit touchdown receptions. So give me uh, the over on that one. Yeah, I'm going to go over as well. I think that you're going to see a guy that probably will be a little more involved in the run game as well because they're going to have to get a little more creative there than they've been in the past two years because of the talent that they had back there. This year, there's still talent, but it's not quite as proven as in the past. So I think early on in the season, you're going to see them rely heavily on their quarterback, and you could see a little more quarterback run uh, throughout the season and potentially in the red zone as well uh, that could allow Sam Howell... Uh, to reach that 40-touchdown mark uh, by season's end. I agree with you, too, because, yeah, like I said, I have him winning the Heisman. That was one of my bold predictions. I think that if that's going to happen, he's probably got to get to that point. Uh, This one I know for you, but definitely want to confirm it uh, and give my opinion on it as well. Josh Downs uh, over under nine and a half touchdowns. Yeah, the over. I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. He's going to be Sam Howell's go-to target starting week one at Blacksburg. We saw what he did in the Orange Bowl. He has big play potential every time he touches the football. Give me over nine and a half touchdowns. I mean, look, he had... Seven catches all of last year, and three of them were touchdowns. So, I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to not see this guy getting to that mark. I agree with you. One of the main reasons that I put this on there was this was the question that sort of motivated this whole segment. Um, But, yeah, I would say he will definitely reach the double-digit touchdown mark. I think he's definitely got a chance to be right there around 11 or 12. Um, could, Could be higher. I mean, it depends. I think it depends on how some of the other guys emerge. Um, if Bo Corrales is going to be healthy at the start of the season, can Garrett Walston be a red zone threat? If not, uh, they're going to lean on him heavily as their red zone guy, and he could end up – I think there's a, there is an outside shot that he could reach 15 if, if things break the right yeah. way for him. Um, so, yeah, I'll go over on that one as well. Uh, how about this? This is one that I think you've kind of – talked about a little bit here uh, in terms of sort of a number he has to reach. Ty Chandler 
800 rushing yards over or under this. This season. this is really tough. I know Carolina's returning their all you know their entire offensive line. I know what they did last year running the football. That was with Michael Carter and Javante Williams. Good news is is Ty Chandler's ran against some really good defenses when he was at Tennessee playing in the SEC. Florida, Georgia, yeah. Alabama. Mac makes sure to list them yeah. every time he talks about. I don't Ty. think he gets a thousand. I do think he gets 800 yards. So I'll take the over. I'm going to go over as well, mainly because of the fact that I I know that there have been a lot of really good things said about Caleb Hood. I still just don't know how much confidence I have in that group behind him. And I feel like, at least for the early part of the season, they are going to have to lean pretty heavily on him. I'm with you, um, and, and we've seen it from a lot of other people, a lot of other media members that cover college football in depth. There are a lot of people that have him as a first-team All-ACC running back. I know there's not a ton of guys that return in the ACC, but this is, I mean, a lot of guys consistently have him as a first-team guy, and this is a conference that where you do have like Jameer Gibbs at Georgia Tech who's yep. consistently ranked ahead of, who's extremely talented. Um, I, I mean, and Cameron Harris out at Miami. So I think... Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna go over. I I think I, I think you're right. I don't think he reaches a thousand. I would say 800. He'll probably be right in that area. But I, I'll I'll go over. I think he's probably got to be around that mark or above it if Carolina is going to have the success oh, that absolutely. you talked about. You, you're saying at least 150 yards a game is where you want to be at. Um, I said around 140, but I think either way, Ty Chandler's got to be a big part of that. Uh, how about this one? Uh, last year, they forced 11 turnovers. How about this year? Uh, turnovers forced by the team 14 and a half over under. I'd love to go over. But I'm going to go under just because we haven't seen the defense yet. And I know that's maybe a, a really bad way to answer it. The way they get to the over, though, is if they can get pressure on that quarterback without having to blitz their linebackers as much as they've had to the first two years. But we don't know if they can do that as of today. I'll, I'll take the under. I'm going to go with over here. And I'm going to go with that because I think there's going to be a lot more rotation this year on defense. You're going to – and we've heard this – mantra from Mac Brown a lot here throughout the fall. Fewer plays, more production. I feel like that is what you're good that that's the reason why this has a chance to happen because you're going to see fresher guys consistently throughout the game. It'll allow them to take some of these risks and potentially create some of these turnovers, especially late in games where normally a lot of your guys would be worn down. So I, I think it's one of those ones that's that's going to be really tough to get to because it's felt like really since that 2015 season where Carolina was just able to create so many turnovers under Gene Chizik, they haven't really been able to force a lot of turnovers, and that's an area where Mac Brown says they've got to improve. I think they do this year with the sheer amount of depth and rotation that they're going to use, keeping guys fresher. I think that allows them to get there. Final one that we'll do here before we turn to the record predictions. Team scoring defense last year right around 29 points per game. Uh, scoring defense this year 25 and a half over or under. I'd love to say under. And I think they should go under. But basing off of what they did last year 
And you got to remember, you're returning those 10 of those 11 stars in that Orange Bowl. You still gave up 41 points in the Orange Bowl. So I'm going to go over I th- I, I, as of today. Um, but I think Carolina's built to win shootouts. You, what's really going to decide th- that number for them is that stretch of Florida State at home, Miami at home, at Notre Dame, and then Wake Forest. Last year, Florida State, Notre Dame, and Wake Forest really exploited this defense, put up big numbers against me. You know, they gave up 26 to Miami. If they can hold their own, though, they can get the they can hold that numbered under. Yeah, I, I think since I, I mean, you got to go under because you think this is a top 25 defense. I, I, I think so. I mean, yeah, I, that's that's where I'm at with this. Uh, I think the schedule also lends somewhat well to this being able to happen. You get Virginia Tech early in the season, a team that's put up a lot of points on you, but usually that first game of the season has a chance to be pretty ugly. You get Virginia at home, so that's one of those offenses where they're really not all that 38 in your own building two years ago, though. Well... That offense was better than the one they played last year and they got destroyed by. Hopefully, you would imagine that this year, though. I, I mean, look, Brennan Armstrong is is a, a solid quarterback. I don't look as at Brennan Armstrong as a guy that should be killing you. He did last year. He did. You've got to find a way to slow that down. This year, you also will hopefully be uh, I, I, you will hopefully be a lot deeper in that game than you were when you faced them a year ago. Um, Florida State, again, you get that game at home. You would hope that you can hold them to a, a, pretty, a, a decently low number, especially if they have the struggles that they've had in the past on offense. Notre Dame could be one of those games that could potentially be an ugly game just because, I mean, I mean, you look at who they are replacing Ian Book with, the way that they're probably going to win games. I mean, Jack Cohen did – I mean, he had some moments where he was all right at Wisconsin, never really all that great of a quarterback there. There's a reason that he transferred out of that program and ended up at Notre Dame. I don't think that offense is going to be all that electric. That's going to be a team where if they're going to win, they're going to win because of their defense. Uh, and then, I mean, even some of the games late on the schedule, Pittsburgh's one of those games on the road that you get where you're all, you always seem to be, especially in their place on Thursday nights, it's low-scoring battles. So I feel like the schedule sort of lends to you pretty well there. I feel like, just like I talked about with the turnovers, the fact that you're going to have a lot more rotation, you're going to have a group that is going to be a lot fresher late in games. We saw it late last year. This was a team that ranked inside of the top 20 in a lot of statistical categories late in the season when they started rotating guys at a pretty sizable level. This year, they're going to be able to do that right out of the gate because last year, the main reason they couldn't do it, a lot of their younger guys didn't have a spring. So, I think that's really going to help them this year. I've got them under 25 and a half points per game this year. So let's go to uh, the official record predictions for this year. So we'll we'll go through each game. We'll talk about it shortly. We're not going to go quite as in-depth as we did when we did the breakdown of the schedule uh, earlier on in the offseason. Some things have changed with some of these teams, but a lot of it remains relatively the same. But uh, let's take a look at it. Of course, it starts uh, on September 3rd, as we've been talking to you guys about a lot here for the past month month and a half uh, up in Blacksburg. It's a Friday night game, 6 o'clock kickoff uh, in what is going to be, what is expected to be uh, one of the crazier environments on opening week to start the season. Uh, what do you think for that uh, week one matchup there, buddy? <sighs> Starting us off with a bang. I, I, <laughs> I, Carolina, I think, on paper is a better football team. 
think they got they got the better quarterback. They got the better talent at the wide receiver running back position. They got the better head coach. Carolina and Blacksburg, they don't mix very well. We've won twice there since the Hokies joined the ACC. Um, sometimes we lose heartbreaking fashion like we did in Sam Howell's freshman year. Then some years we go up there and we're not competitive. I think Carolina's going to compete because I think we're too good to get blown out by a team like Virginia Tech. But I think a lot of this favors Virginia Tech. You got It's a Friday night. Um, as big a high school football is, is is in the state of Virginia, everyone that can be in Blacksburg is going to be in Blacksburg. That environment is going to be something else, something that Carolina hasn't really seen because of last year's COVID year. And we saw what this team looked like in a half compa- uh, a half-field Dope Campbell Stadium down in Tallahassee. They were shell-shocked. I think Virginia Tech's going to win a ugly, low-scoring game, kind of like what happened when Carolina lost to South Carolina a few years ago here in Charlotte, where Carolina probably more ways than once beat themselves. But I do think we lose week one to start the season. I, I got them winning that game. I think going into that environment is going to be extremely tough. The good news is is that the mindset around the team seems to be pretty good. They're excited for the opportunity. Doesn't seem like a lot of guys are really fearing the opportunity. I think the other thing is, is I mean, if you're trying to compare it to some of the games to start in the Larry Fedora era, I mean, you've got a different head coach there. you got a guy that's been through these types of scenarios many times before. I think the big thing is, is I'm with you. Anybody that thinks this game is going to be a blowout on either side, I look. I'm if you're a Carolina fan, you should be hoping. Yeah, I want the game over at halftime. I, I mean, seriously, I think I'm with you on that. Is there a possibility that that could happen? Yeah, if the sheer talent takes over, then yes. But I don't think that's how it's going to work. I think that the environment is going to be a huge factor in this game. I think the fact that it's going to be the first game of the season, there is it's going to be very, very sloppy. But it's going to be sloppy on both sides. My thing is, is if it comes down to a late-game situation, I am trusting Sam Howell to beat Braxton Burmeister in a late-game situation. And here's the other thing. If there's a game where the Tar Heel defense should be able to help you win a game, even if this defense is not going to be a team that forces a bunch of turnovers, holds teams to under 25 points per game, whatever, this should be the game. You are going to be at your most healthiest. You're probably going to be able to rotate at a pretty high level to start out, one of the highest levels that you've been able to in a long, long time. That's what should give you the advantage in this game. And again, I'm going to trust a guy that is seen as the nation's best quarterback to win this game for the Tar Heels. Yeah, I mean, love to see it happen, but got to remember Justin Fuente, his job is going to be on the line the first month, month and a half of the season. He gets a win over yeah. a top oh, ten, no a top ten football team that'll cool that'll cool that that hot seat just a little bit. Um, it's definitely going to be an intriguing matchup. <laughs> So then you go to uh, September 11th at home to open the season, open the uh, the, the um, home slate against Georgia State. Uh, this one, Mac Brown has mentioned it in passing a little bit. Uh, this is going to be an emotional game. This is 20 years since uh, 9/11. 
the anniversary of uh, of, not a, of September 11, 2001. Uh, you would imagine that that game is going to have, I know they already have had a lot of first responders uh, that are going to be in attendance. I believe they're giving away free tickets or definitely discounted tickets, I know for sure, uh, for that game. Home opener, uh, I know, I mean, look, Georgia State is clearly not the toughest opponent on Carolina's schedule, but you would feel like, especially if they win that game against Virginia Tech, I don't really think it matters if it's ugly. If it's a blowout, that, I mean, first game of the year, doesn't matter that it's against Georgia State. That place will be rocking because there will be so much energy there. Uh, I, I, I don't think we really need to have an in-depth conversation about this one. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting because we will, of course, be in attendance to see uh, some of the things that they'll probably do pregame. Um, there probably are uh, plenty of former Tar Heels that have ties to this day. There might be guys on the roster that currently have ties to this day in some way. So I think it'll be pretty interesting, but I think we can both agree. Uh, look, Georgia State is a, a team that's middle of the pack in the Sun Belt. Uh, they're not a terrible football team, but they're still a team that Carolina shouldn't have much issue with, and they should win this game pretty easy. Yeah, they shouldn't, whether they're coming off a big time winning to worry about the letdown or you're coming off a hangover with the loss if you lose at Virginia Tech. Packed house, and Kenny Sam's going to be pretty electric. The pregame is going to be one of the most memorable probably in the history of this program. Late night, um, you got Sam Howell. I think it'll be a blowout win. Go Heels, go America. We're on to Virginia. Yeah, uh, yeah this is a 7-30 game. I- I'm not really sure why. I- I'm going to be honest with you. I love night games. Uh, I love night games when I'm not in attendance. Well, (laughs) first, here's the thing. I love night games for big games. I... Is Georgia State really a night? This is the game? ACC I mean, Network I, yeah. trying to get those uh, sponsorship dollars. Yeah, I mean, look, they're trying to get their pri- their, their best teams in, in prime time. Uh, the, really, your best teams are Carolina and Clemson, maybe Miami. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much all it. I'm saying is so, I hope Clemson plays Furman, whoever they play before they play uh, South Carolina. Make that a night game so it just evens out. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so then you go to the next week. Carolina stays in Chapel Hill. They take on Virginia. I mean, this its this has got to be the year, right? This team, I know that they've lost the guy that has absolutely destroyed Virginia's defense over the past few seasons in De'Ami Brown. This is still a game that you got to win this one. I, I understand that Bronco Mendenhall is a heck of a coach. He's done some good things with Virginia. There were some rumors that apparently – some people want to move on from them there. I, I, that one just blows my mind. I don't get that. Uh, but, I, I mean, I think they still have a chance to be one of those teams in the Coastal. Like, they, they have a, a sneaky shot to finish third, maybe, in the Coastal. But you got to win this game. You got to. Um, and you should. Um, I think Carolina wins, but, I mean, look, I've harped on this aspect for the whole summer when discussions have been brought about this team and all the hype around them. Um, They played Virginia at home two years ago. Whoever won that game had the inside track to the ACC title game. We got beat by Bryce Perkins and an offense that jet sweeped us for 38 points and over 400 yards. Last year, uh, as you mentioned, Brendan Armstrong outdueled Sam Howell, and he outdueled him. Carolina gave up, I think, 44 in that game. 
Um, but this, there's no excuses. Um, if Carolina's a preseason top 10 team, if they're the best team in the Coastal, they'll win this game and win this game rather handedly. Yeah, this will be a game, though, that I think at this point, if they win this game, regardless of how ugly it is, you're going to take the win because this team is the, the problem just that, a thorn in the side. that Carolina has had in this game is that it, me, it's, it has meant more to Virginia. Yeah. And yep, you, and we, we mentioned that and after that's every evident. one of them. Yep. And that's that's what's got to change. This is the South's oldest rivalry. There is it's got a historical value. Virginia fans care a lot about this. Carolina fans care a lot about this. We got to get the players to kind of feel the same way. But this is a game Carolina should win. Well, the other thing is, is this is another game, and Mac Brown mentioned it in his press conference this week about Virginia Tech. This is another team that their mobile quarterbacks have just killed. Carolina, and you have got to be able to slow down these mo- these mobile quarterbacks. It's there's no way that Brennan Armstrong should be running for a hundred yards in a game on you. That, I I mean, again, he's a solid quarterback. He is middle of the road in the ACC. You need to be able to take care of business in that game. I think they do. You then go on the road, but it's technically a neutral site game. Very very strange. Uh, way to look at this game on September 25th versus Georgia Tech it'll be played in the Georgia Dome of course Mercedes-Benz Stadium oh yeah I can't even keep up with the different names now now that now the now the the um the Superdome no longer sponsored by Mercedes-Benz I can't I can't keep up with all the different sponsorships changing but yes Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh in Atlanta Georgia Tech uh that's a new thing that they're going to be doing throughout you know the next few years uh carolina probably one of those ones whenever they go down there they'll be primed to potentially be uh in in that venue for that game because they're going to want to put significant games there that are going to put a lot of fans in the seats again georgia tech i really like jeff collins as a head coach i i think that he's the guy that if you give him time he's going to get them where they want to go they've got some good pieces on the offensive side of the football I don't think Carolina should have much trouble in this game with Georgia Tech. Though. They shouldn't, but there is a, you know, does Carolina get caught up in the playing on the road in a neutral site in one of the NFL's most glamorous stadiums? I'll say this about Georgia Tech. I don't know what the win total is going to look like for them. That's going to be one of the most improved football teams, not only in the ACC and the country, because I echo your praise. Mm. I think Jeff Collins is a hell of a football coach. He's doing it the right way, um, in, in our opinion, down there at Georgia Tech. But Carolina should have no problem getting to 4-1 and one in Atlanta the day after my birthday. Well, th- th- three and one. Three and one. You're projecting forward. You're giving away picks here. Uh, then they go back home. September 2nd against Duke. Dub. I mean, I, I, I just – this is not a game that they should have much trouble with. I mean, Duke lost their two best pass rushers from a year ago. That was the best thing about that football team. The only guy that could give Carolina trouble would be Mateo Duran on the ground. That should be your focus in that game. I, I'm i going to be honest. Load the box with eight. Make Gunnar Holmberg beat you. There's a reason that this dude's a senior and hasn't played. Even over Chase Bryce last year. I I mean, you, if, if you're on the level that you think you're going to be on, this shouldn't be a problem at all. I know Duke was very competitive the first year once, once Mac Brown came back. The worst thing that happened for David Cutcliffe and Duke's program was that Carolina got rid of Larry Fedora. <laughs> 
because that took yeah, away yeah. their because he he knew how to beat Larry. I don't think David Cutcliffe has what it takes to beat what Mac Brown is building and what we're doing now. Chop it up to an easy dub. So you move on then. Uh, October 9th, game against Florida State. Uh, this seat, there's a lot of elements that go into this game about what exactly this game is going to be because there is a chance that if Florida State can just do something, they've got Mackenzie Milton, who was a standout quarterback for Central Florida at one time before, of course, he went down with a brutal injury. Dylan Gabriel came in. Now Dylan Gabriel's one of the best group of five quarterbacks in the entire country, if not the best, and there simply just wasn't a quarterback spot left for Mackenzie Milton at Central Florida. He ends up transferring to Florida State. If they're if they're good enough, this is one where it feels like they would force this as a primetime game because Carolina got beat last year. Mac Brown has never beaten Florida State. But, I mean, this game's at home. Carolina, you would think, should be able – to win this game. I think if Florida State can make a bowl game, if they can get to 7 and 5, I think that would be a good season for them because there's still just there are still so many issues for that Florida State team that are not correctable in one year. This is another one of those games. I mean, looking at that game against Virginia. These are games that Carolina lost last year. They've been talked about the entire offseason to these guys. Remember what happened in these games. You would think that they won't need much motivation in these games and I think that Carolina should be able to win that game I will say this though that's one of those games on the schedule I don't see any way that's a blowout that game is going to be a fight because they are a team that Mac Brown just struggles against no matter what I think Florida State's going to be a very much improved football team a lot like Georgia Tech I think Mike Norville is going to do a really good job there. You've got an experienced quarterback that is not going to be afraid to go into Keenan Stadium and play. Well, the biggest thing for him, he could have a really great season if they protect him. This is a guy that needs protection because he's coming off one of the most brutal injuries we've ever seen. So um, this is a game Carolina should win. Mm -hmm. It's a game Carolina should have won last year. But they went to Tallahassee at – 7.30, 8 o'clock, and they looked like they were, they were shell-shocked by the environment. Well, they were way too confident in themselves um, anyways. Mac Brown said that. They thought they were the number five team in the country, as Mac Brown told them beforehand, and they found out they are not the number five team in the country. There are two conferences that weren't playing. One thing I hate as a fan is now we play Florida State back-to-back years. And now, granted, it's cool because that's a – it's a, that's a program Carolina should measure itself against in terms of success and all that in this conference. It just sucks for us because, like, why couldn't we have played Florida State when Florida State was, like, Florida freaking State and they were really freaking good? Nonetheless, going to be a great environment in Keenan Stadium. Could be, it could be a late game, could be a primetime game, setting you up for what could be a sneaky college game day game the next week against Miami. I think Carolina wins that game, though, no yeah, problem. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one for sure. You move to that game against Miami, as you mentioned. This is another one where it really just depends on what the rest of the week looks like uh, and kind of what the results are beforehand. I think that if Miami lost the first game of the year and then won out up until this game, no doubt this could still be a game day. Yep. I, I'm going to be honest. I think even if Carolina lost to Virginia Tech, this could still be a game day game depending on what exactly uh, is ahead of them on the schedule. 
Yeah, this is this, this is probably going to be the one that decides the coastal. I'd be stunned. I know there are, there are some people that really think Pittsburgh could be pretty good this year. I've never been a guy that's understood the Kenny Pickett hype. We'll talk about him here in a minute, but I, I just I think it's these two teams, and there's a there there is a gap between the other teams in the coastal. So this is probably going to decide the ACC coastal. Uh, Miami clearly is not going to be happy about what happened last year in their place. Primetime game more than likely in some capacity. I don't see any way that this is at least not in the same time slot that it was last year and probably on the same stage. So I think, you know, they're – there's going to be definitely some pressure, but I feel like it could be on both sides by this time. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Carolina's had a lot of success against Miami. That's the one team that since coming over from the Big East, uh, a lot of those Big East teams Carolina has struggled against. This team, they have not. Uh, they've done a pretty good job of holding their own. Larry Fedora was a guy that pretty much had their number. Mac Brown has gotten off to a good start against them as well. With the game at home, I feel like Carolina wins this one, but this one's going to be a lot closer than it was a year ago, I think. I think Sam Howell outduels De'Ara King, though, and the Tar Heels get a big win over Miami. So i give you a little history lesson here on the Heel Tough Block podcast. Carolina's looking go. for their third straight win over Miami. The last time that happened was from 2007 to 2009. Two of those wins technically didn't happen. Carolina had to vacate them after uh, yeah, the NCAA okay. investigation. Prior to that, it happened back when Carolina beat Miami in 1946, 1952, and 1957. So it's been a long time since Carolina has legitimately beaten, on paper, Miami three straight years. Um, look, it's a home game. It's, it's it's this is the de facto ACC Coastal champion or the ACC Coastal representative game, barring significant injuries to either squad. I mentioned last week. I don't think Carolina makes the ACC championship. That game. was an epic pause, by the you way. Like that? My gosh! Um, in a large suspense. part because they lose this game to Miami at oh, home. Whoa! Um, and for further context, and I. I went public with this prediction. Oh, I thought you were going to change the prediction on the spot here. That was such a long pause that I thought there was some debate. No, I went public with this prediction on Twitter a few nights ago. I think Miami is going to upset Alabama week one to start the season. I think it's going to pour. I think it's going to jumpstart them on the way to an ACC championship game appearance. I think Carolina loses at home to Miami. So then they have a two-week uh, hiatus. Uh, they have that bye week in there before they head up to play Notre Dame in South Bend. Uh, so, I mean, look, again, this is another one of those areas on the schedule that kind of works out for Carolina. You, th- This is the game that you probably want to have two weeks off for to prepare, get everybody about as healthy as you can get because, look, the game against Miami is going to be physical. Yeah, they've got and to be emotional. Ready. They've got to be ready for that. So to have that week in between to recollect yourself, try to get as healthy as you can before you go up to South Bend is huge. 
I think this Notre Dame team is definitely more vulnerable than they've been the last few years. I I don't trust Jack Cohen as as their starting quarterback. I, I don't. There are some people that think they could make the college football playoff again this year. It's very few, but there are some people that still think they're going to be on that level. I don't think they're going to be there. Not only because of the quarterback, they have to replace four out of their five starting offensive linemen. With that being said, they're still going to be a good team and. A, a, a down year for them. I don't think they're going to get to the point where they were a few few years ago, where they were winning four games. That's not going to happen. I think they'll probably be around nine and three, maybe even ten and two, uh, which will have some Notre Notre Dame fans disappointed. Uh, this is probably the best chance that Carolina's had going up there to win a game there uh, in a long, long time. Honestly could be the, their best chance ever to win up there. At the same time, they've won one game all time against Notre Dame. I, I just I don't see how they are favored going into this game in the preseason, especially considering the fact that Notre Dame is ranked ahead of them in both polls. That is really blowing my mind. Uh, and this is the game that I think Carolina will lose on the schedule. I think it's, it's a game that if you told me Carolina won, I would not be shocked. But I, I really think that going up to Notre Dame, having to play there in what will is already slated as a primetime game mm-hmm. will be an extremely tough task for this team. But I'm going to tell you, if this team is undefeated and they go up there and win that game, does that not feel like one of those games where Sam Howell would put on his Heisman moment and really show that Carolina is for real and in the thick of – the college football playoff hunt. The, the the back-to-back games against Miami and Notre and Notre Dame will make or break his Heisman candidacy legitimacy or or not. Um, I think Carolina's going to lose this game for a lot of factors that are really out of their control. They they don't win in South Bend because not many teams go to South Bend and win. Uh, it's going to be a night game. You mentioned you, know, you don't trust Jack Cohen. I don't think you have to. I think you trust what Brian Kelly has done the last couple years. He has rebuilt Notre Dame to where they are legitimate year in, year out. They've got the depth. they got the their, their physicality and is enough that could still probably give Carolina fits. We saw that last year where they basically beat us up at both lines of scrimmage. Um but an, an interesting thing, you mentioned Notre, uh, Carolina has the bye. Notre Dame faces, it's, it's either five or six straight opponents that come off a bye week. So it'll be interesting to see how Carolina handles that and what Notre Dame has done facing teams that have a lot of preparation to go into that game. But I, I think Carolina loses to, to fall to that would put them at 5-3 and three for me. So then you've got uh, the game at home against Wake Forest, second straight year that Carolina is playing that game uh, at a conference. Yeah, this is non-ACC game against an ACC I, opponent. I, this is the last time, as of right now, that this will happen. And with the uh, alliance that we're going to talk about here later, I would be stunned if it, ever happened if it again. happens again. Uh, this was done because Carolina wanted to play them more. I do think it's something that needs to be played more because these games have been pretty interesting, for sure. There is definitely a, a bit of a rivalry here. I'd rather play Wake Forest than Louisville, Boston College. Oh, um, no doubt. 
no doubt. In those schools. The only problem is, is if you if if you secure that as another rivalry game that you play, that means you play the same schedule every single year, or that, just move Wake Forest over to our side of the division. Could could happen, and just send Pittsburgh over to the Atlantic. <laughs> that, yeah, I'm I mean, not going to be up too upset about that. Well, that's something that we we would have to talk about in a completely different edition of the podcast, but. Uh, yeah, this is an out-of-conference game. Uh, Wake Forest, uh, th- this is one of those games at home that I think kind of flies under the radar. I think it fits right in the, right in the same area as that Virginia game where this Wake Forest team has given Carolina fits. Beat them two years ago, and then, of Should course, have beat us last year. Last year, put up a ton of points. Sam Howell just went off in that game. That's the only reason Carolina won that game. This year, I mean, look, Sam Hartman comes back for them. Their offense is still going to be really, really good. Uh, I don't think they're going to be as potent. I forget which receiver. I believe it was Donovan Green who was supposed to be their number two guy. Ja'Cory Roberson is their their, their number one guy. Um, But I believe Donovan Green went down with an injury. So there's potential that they're not going to be as lethal as they were last year. This is still going to be a really good offensive team. This is one of those games that, honestly, I don't see any way this isn't a shootout. If there is a surefire shootout on this schedule, it is this game. I think Carolina wins. But I do think that this is going to be a game where Wake Forest is going to hang around and play Carolina tough. Dave Clawson is the best coach in college football that doesn't get enough credit for the job he's doing at Wake Forest. because okay, it's, Good thing you ended that sentence because I didn't know where you were going with that one. Because he's a really good football coach, and it's really freaking hard to win at a school called Wake Forest. <laughs> um, we saw what they did last year in Keenan Stadium. They had Carolina down 21-24 points. Sam Howell turned into God, came back, and led Carolina back to a victory. Don't think Carolina's got to do that this time. I think they'll be able to, at that point, I think they'll be able to run the football a lot better. They'll be able to control the game. This is a this is a game I, coming off that loss for Notre Dame. That if Carolina and my, the way I've got them going, they could they could lose because their conference could be gone. I think Carolina bounces back. They get a win to get to six and three. So then you go on the road Thursday night. Why would it Why would it not be on a Thursday night, especially playing there at Pittsburgh? It's a short turnaround, but this is a game where, look, I I know that Pittsburgh, they're going to have some good defensive players. They always do. They're going to have guys that can rush the passer. This is a team that Carolina should be able to outpower just based on talent. Mainly, they should be able to put up points in this game. I don't. I don't get the Kenny Pickett stuff, man. I I know he's been in the conference a while. Beat Sam Howell. I mean, I no. I think he's played in an ACC championship game. And got destroyed. Still, I think that he still his, played an ACC championship I think game. The players around him are so much better than he is. I, I don't see anything that wows. You still got to make the Kenny plays. Pickett. They're not winning games in spite of him. I think they. He are. beat number two Miami in spite of him as a uh, as a as a true freshman quarterback. I, I I don't see anything impressive about him. Carolina should win this game. No doubt in my mind, they yep. should win this game. Uh, it's on the road. Uh, you would hope they can bounce back against this team because this is a team that they should not be losing to. No, they shouldn't. Um, I think Pittsburgh is going to be a good football team, but I don't think they're going to be on the level to beat Carolina. Um, I think Carolina goes back. I think they go up to Pittsburgh and avenge that loss from two years ago because we did not play them last year due to COVID. Right, right. Played them back in 2019. That was the only coastal opponent that Carolina did not play last year. Uh 
that was the first time that they had lost to Pittsburgh since Pittsburgh entered the conference as well. So that's a game where Mac Brown and the boys should be looking to bounce back and do show uh, in pretty big fashion. You then go home senior day uh, on November 20th against Wofford. Wofford, a decent FCS program, shouldn't be any problems for Carolina. This will be just a, ga- a day where you hope to honor uh, some big-time seniors. More than likely, this will be Sam Howell's last game yep. in Keenan Stadium, as well as guys like Jeremiah Gimmel, uh, Tamon Fox, those types of guys. So that's really what you're hoping this day is going to be about. Shouldn't be much issue. Yeah, no, that, should, that game should be over first quarter. So then you go to the November 26th matchup at NC State. Uh, last time Carolina played them on a Friday, uh, it, it did not work out great. For them. Uh, <laughs> for them, for the section of Keenan Stadium that we were sitting in during that that game, for the young lady asleep underneath the section of the stadium that we were at that game. I think, I, I think you're getting your games confused. The sleeping lady was at Pittsburgh. Might have been that 16. one. Nonetheless. Some things were said while... We got very angry at the halftime uh, <laughs> squabble that went on. That was, of course, the game that most people will remember as Carolina on Black Friday wore the all-black uniforms. And it was a funeral of some sort. Huge, huge expectations coming into that game. Uh, Carolina just did not look prepared for that game. Shocking that Carolina <laughs> wouldn't be prepared for a game under Larry Fedora, especially late in the season. Um I'm just kidding. That that was a shot at Larry that Yikes. was unnecessary there. Uh, but there were times that that was, that was prevalent. That was one of those games that was just f- so frustrating because you were saying to yourself, especially with the losing streak that they had at that time, man, this team, th- they've got to be able to respond against State, right? What more motivation do you need? It's NC State on Black Friday. You're on national television. Uh didn't work out very well for Carolina in that one. Uh, of course, the last time that Carolina played uh, at NC State worked out very well for Carolina. Uh, they destroyed NC State last year. A lot of people have said this year that, that this year is going to be different. NC State has Devin Leary. Uh, that was the reason that they weren't competitive in that game against North Carolina last year. If he was playing in that game, would have been a much different game. A lot of people believe that NC State will win this game. Uh, I, I think this is the thing about this game. Do I think that Carolina is going to blow them out the way that they had the last couple of years? Probably not. I think NC State has the best linebacking core in the ACC. I hate saying that. Peyton Wilson, Isaiah Moore are legitimate, probably day two, if not higher, NFL draft picks. I do think Devin Lear is a talented quarterback. They can run the football. This is going to be a pretty good state football team. People have to prepare themselves for that. But this is one of those games where people are worried, will Carolina be in the right mindset at this point of the season? Even if they're sitting where... I have them at, which is 11-1. and one. I'm going to tell you one thing about this game. If there's a guy that I don't worry about getting his team motivated for a rivalry game, especially against a team like NC State, where it is very well known that they hate Carolina, they would be looking to do anything to upset their, their historic season at that time, 
I think Mac Brown is a guy that can get his guys motivated to win this game. If this was under Larry Fedora, and again, I just took a shot at him, but I, I, no, I, no, I don't want to offend Larry on this one. I would be more more worried for sure if Larry Fedora was the head coach of this team, getting them motivated with Mac Brown and this rivalry. I'd, I'm I'm going to be honest. I don't think the guys on this roster would even need Mac Brown to know how important this rivalry is. But I think with Mac Brown there, th- this rivalry is is a big thing in and of itself. So they will be ready to go for this game. I think Carolina has more talent in this game, and I think they will get a win. But it will, like I said, it will be a lot closer than in years past. Yeah, uh, I, I think State's an eight and four, nine and three. Uh, upset here or there, they can. There's a pathway for them to get the ten and two. They've got the talent, um, the you know, there to do it. Um, Athlon Sports, their their top three guys has NC State beating us. I saw that article today. So there, it's it, like if if State lose, if State beats Carolina, I don't think we're all going to be sitting there shell shocked. When we hired Mac Brown, we asked him to beat your in-state opponents. Fix the recruiting and get Carolina back relevant. He's done all of that, mm-hmm. and a lot like Roy Williams, you can tell when Mac Brown talks about NC State, he hates NC State, and I love that because I hate NC State a lot, um, as y'all all well know. Because I don't hide my feelings about that about that program. <laughs> this is this will be a game that you know you know for Sam Howell could be. His final ACC game, a good way to leave a legacy going 3-0 against NC State. Maybe it's leading Carolina to the ACC title game. For me, 9-3, and they could still make it back to a New Year's Six Bowl game depending on how everything shakes out. I think Carolina wins. I don't think playing on Friday is going to hurt them. I don't think playing the day after Thanksgiving is going to hurt them because they got a guy that's going to get them ready to play. It's not about Thanksgiving. Screw that holiday. Let's go beat NC State. I think Carolina does that for the third straight year. I mean, look, I think they're going to be watching. Who do you guys play on uh, The Raiders. I think that they will be watching those games. Mac Brown will say you – know, I look, love Thanksgiving. We'll put it on. We'll eat, we'll eat around, you know, around the training table. They can have a more traditional one because they've reached that age. 85% vaccination rate. He confirmed that the other day. But I think you're right. The mindset in that locker room that week will be, no matter what, especially if they are at 10-1 and or, God forbid, at 11-0, and the mindset will be, because they're going to hear it from everybody. They're hearing it already in the preseason about the projections of where they could be at that point, is that this is a game where Carolina is going to have a letdown. They're going to be feeling themselves, and they're not going to be ready for this game. I don't think that they are going to take that mindset at all. Uh, and I think going into that game, they're, in my opinion, 10-1, and one, They, if they win that game, they're in the ACC championship game. And I have them winning that game. So I have them at 11-1. Uh, I have them going uh, undefeated in, in conference. Uh, so, I mean, look, they've, they've done it before. Uh, it, it's definitely possible. It's going to be tough, no, no doubt about it. Um, I, I think you know this is looking at it a manageable schedule, but there are still a lot of places on this schedule where Carolina can slip up. There are a lot of teams on this schedule that are talented that can give Carolina issues. But I have, I, I think everything sets up very well for them. I feel like the other thing is is that you've got a quarterback 
that is entering what you would expect to be his final year. He wants to leave a lasting legacy. And I think the other thing is that the guys on the team around him want to help him leave that lasting legacy. I really feel like this is there's some extra motivation here, and that could be what pushes Carolina over the top in some of these games. That's why I've got him 11-1, undefeated in conference, and making the ACC championship game, meeting Clemson in Charlotte. Yeah, I got them 9-3. and three. Six and two in league play, losing at Virginia Tech, losing to Miami. Very games that are very winnable, but also very losable. And with those results, I don't have them making the ACC title game. I do think Miami winds up in Charlotte, and I think that could set up for an interesting scenario where does Sam Howell contemplate coming back and finishing what he started, or does being the number one possible number two quarterback in the NFL draft? Is it too hard to say no to and he goes on to college? Nonetheless, you know, I've made this statement that if Carolina doesn't make the ACC championship game this year, the the season's a lost season. And I think it is, barring significant injuries or or something or a COVID-related issue. But even if it does, Sam Howell will go down as the greatest player to play football here when it's all said and done. And it's going to be a fun season watching him play. Also, I mean, te- I mean I'm going to be honest. If they end up going 9 and 3 and 6 and 2 in conference with some with, with the losses that we're talking about, is that still not a step forward? I wouldn't count it as it's it would still be a law a, a, a failure, I would say, where expectations are at. But I still think it is actually a step forward for the program. Does Mac Brown think it's a step forward? No. Then it's not a step forward. Would not claim that as a step forward. Honestly, that's that's where we're at. We can't look at. He sees last year as a step forward. I I think he sees last year as a failure. I think last year was yeah, you were eight and three, made the Orange Bowl. But do you make the Orange Bowl at eight and three if every conference played a full season? Probably not. So. Well, in the ACC, yeah, you probably would because the, the even if the ACC was like it was normally last year, Carolina would have made the ACC title game, probably would have gotten beaten. I would have been very shocked, although you, I guess technically you never really know until they put the pads on. I don't think they would have beaten Clemson. They probably still would have ended up in the Orange Bowl, though, because of the tie-ins Maybe. with that. But, but look, I know Mac Brown signed an extension – and he's going to be here for a little bit longer than we thought, the clock's still ticking. So any year no that doubt. Carolina doesn't make it to Charlotte and they're not in the college football playoff discussion in November, for him it's a lost season. So, oh, I mean, that's so what for I'm us saying. It's a lost I season. still think it's a lost season. But I think that if you continue to win more games, it's still a step forward. That would then set you up for the next season, which I think – regardless, although it is going to be tough with the fact that they are not going to have Sam Howell. The expectation in 2022 will no doubt be to win double-digit games and win the ACC. Well, and I alluded to that. Probably rather handedly. I alluded to that last, last, last week on the bowl predictions. I think Carolina is getting there. I think when you get in another recruiting class and you get these freshmen, uh, uh, you know, I think they're a one year away. So I think they're going to get there. And I'd want to do it with Sam Howell because he's Sam freaking Howell. But I think it's one year away. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Josh, nine and three, six and two in conference. Me, eleven and one. 8-0 in conference. Uh, let's head to some of the uh, closing notes here on the show for this week. 
Uh, this is where we'll talk about the alliance. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because this is still in the very early stages. And uh, how realistic is this? Jim Phillips said yesterday when they were doing the press conference on this, which, by the way, was one of the oddest things I've ever seen. Literally three guys sitting in front of a screen that said the alliance behind them. And just basically... 2021, baby. Talking at different points. Basically, any question that was asked, all three guys gave their own separate statements. A very, very strange press conference. Uh, the weirdest part of the press conference was when Jim Phillips said that he and the other uh, commissioners, uh, being Kevin Warren, and I cannot remember the Pac-12, uh, the, the new Pac-12 commissioner's name right now. It is slipping my mind. Um but he, he said that those three guys had talked, uh, they had come to an agreement, and that there is no need for a contract. <laughs> the best part was Kevin Warren then backed that up, saying that he has a legal background, but there is no need for a written contract. He trusts these two guys so much. I trusted my, ex, my ex-girlfriend to not leave me, but I mean, she did it twice. I mean, seriously, dude, this is like you telling your friend, hey, man, they're bringing in donuts later on today when you were in, like, elementary school. I really like the glazed one. Can you pinky promise me that you're not going to take the glazed one if that's the last donut up, donut up there? The donuts come in because he, of course, says, sure. What happens? That's the last donut up there. What do you think the kid's going to do? Dude, no one, No one's ever used donuts. I and, mean, and an analogy what, for here, okay, here's the other thing. that Here's how you should know this isn't going to work. Greg Sankey and Bob Bowlesby sat in the same room to talk about the college football playoff expansion, to talk about the fact that they wanted 12 teams in, with Bob Bowlesby basically saying that, look, we want the Big 12 champion in, and we think that there's a good chance that we could get two teams in because we want two of our biggest brands in there, Oklahoma and Texas. Keep in mind that... Greg Sankey at the time was talking to Oklahoma and Texas about coming into the conference. It do, they do not care if it, this is does not mean anything in terms of them breaking these contracts. I, I don't. Oklahoma and Texas are willing to break the contracts that they're currently in with the Big Twelve and willing to pay how much, how, however much money, to go to the SEC because the SEC makes that much more money, even with the money that this alliance could bring in if it's formed. It still probably would not equal what the SEC is bringing in. The SEC is on pace to bring in almost a billion dollars this upcoming season. I, I, there's no way that you're competing with that. So people will be willing to pay whatever it is to get out of this if there is an agreement. Although, if there's no written agreement, what do you really have to go off of? That, I, I mean, it does, doesn't make any sense. I don't think there's a lot that's going to come out of it. One of the things that people have said could come out of this, Mac Brown talked about it a little bit the other day, is that this could mean that there is potential that there could be some scheduling agreements between the two sides. As Mac Brown mentioned, Carolina does have uh, some upcoming series scheduled against uh, Big Ten opponents. Uh, none against Pac-12 opponents, but a couple against Big Ten opponents uh, coming up. Of course, uh, Purdue is one that they agreed to a couple of years ago, and the other one is slipping my mind. That Michigan State, maybe? No, it's not Michigan State. 
The no. other one, the other one is slipping my mind. It's another team I think out in uh, the Big Ten West uh, that is just. I'm, I'm not recalling at this time. But Carolina has some of those already in place, home-and-home home series uh, for the most part. What some people believe could end up happening is this could pretty much be the end of playing FCS opponents. Uh, more than likely, what, would, what, what you would do is you would play a Big Ten opponent at a conference, you would play a Pac-12 opponent at a conference every year, and then from there you make up the rest of your schedule probably wouldn't play an FCS opponent. You would just play other FBS opponents, whatever. Uh, that That's probably about the only thing that could be of significance there. Other than that, I don't really think there's much to take away from this. It's still in the very early stages as well, so I wouldn't be overly concerned about this if you're a Toriel fan. If anything, uh, we mentioned it a little bit on the basketball podcast this should probably give you a little bit of security about the fact that Carolina won't be leaving the ACC. Uh, even if they were, though, Carolina really doesn't have much to worry about. They're a big enough brand that they would be able to hold on without much issue wherever they went. Uh, you look to preseason week number two, a lot of former Tar Heels in action. Of course, the most notable performance, Mitch Trubisky against uh, the Chicago Bears, his old team, signed some autographs for the fans in the stands and then proceeded to kick their team's rear end in front of them the other day. Best he's looked in a in – a, in, uh, was that game in Soldier Field? Yeah, it was in Best Chicago. Best he's looked ever in his career at Soldier Field. 20 of 28, 221 yards and a touchdown for Mitch. Mitch doing about everything that he needs to do as the backup quarterback in Buffalo. This is probably the most extensive playing time that he's going to see this year, but could be one of those scenarios where, I mean, pretty much what he's doing at this point is over the next couple of years, play as well as he can and see if there's a place where you can land where they need a starting quarterback. Uh, don't know if, if that's a possibility right now. Who knows? Maybe the Texans need a quarterback. I mean, they're running Deshaun Watson out there at safety, and it doesn't feel like they're too confident in their quarterbacks that are there. So you never really know. Uh, but that's pretty much the extent of what he's doing. Uh, Chaz Surratt was the rookie that really stood out uh, amongst the Tario guys. Ten total tackles, a tackle for loss, including highlight reel tackle on special teams where he absolutely blew up uh, a punt returner uh, in that game for Denver. Uh, the next negative side of that is that, man, the Vikings are going to be horrific this year. They lost that game 30-3. to That is, yeah. I mean, they are getting destroyed in these preseason games. I know it's preseason, but my goodness. Uh, Miles Dorn also played rather well in that game uh, with three total tackles again. Michael Carter, good performance uh, in the second uh, preseason game for the Jets. Ten carries, 52 yards. Mac Hollins had a solid day for the Dolphins. Four catches, 49 yards in his game. And then Andre Smith, uh, once again, one of the leaders in tackles for Buffalo had five total tackles and a pass deflection. And Almost ended Justin Fields' career on a dirty hit. Absolutely level Justin Fields and welcome. I didn't him understand to the NFL. people trying to defend that hit. He hit him in the head and yeah, definitely, definitely lowered his helmet. Um, the, he went to Twitter and said it was legal. No, it's yeah, not. Yeah, I don't know about that one. And a bunch of Tar Heel fans were defending him and praising him for that kind of hit. Um, the NFL needs Justin Fields, um, and he had plenty of opportunity to make a, a cleaner hit. Get disappointed in Andre Smith. But. I mean, yeah, look, I, I think it was a dude trying to make a play, trying to make a highlight reel play, lowered the helmet. It, it, 
I look, oh, oh, it's it, an illegal hit. He I made the highlight know. reel, the highlight reel of what you're not or of what not to do in the NFL. I still think he's going to make that roster. He's just played way too well here in these first two weeks of the preseason, which is which is great for him. I mean, I think that's a great opportunity for him. Um, but yes, that was without a doubt that 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 was an illegal hit. I, I don't see defending that. Uh, players that are injured, guys that went down with injuries. Ryan Switzer had surgery before. Uh, their second game of the preseason. His mom actually was the one that posted. I believe he may have posted that on his Instagram uh, as well. Saw the post from his mom, Ashley. Uh, she posted that on there that this isn't quite what they were hoping for, uh, but his season appears to be over. Apparently, it was something he had that they had known was an issue for him. Uh, I don't know what exactly the injury was, uh, but he did go under the knife. They were trying to, hoping he could fight through it, but uh, it, it looks like he's more than likely uh, done for the season. Honestly, probably was going to be on their practice squad again this year. I would have been shocked uh, if he would have made that roster because that is a loaded wide receiving core uh, out there for the Cleveland Browns. One that is absolutely brutal is Jalen Dalton. Torn tricep. Uh, triceps done for the year for the Saints. Uh, he was a guy I, I knew that he was on the cusp of making the roster. One of their beat writers uh, actually uh, responded to one of my tweets last night, told me that he was going to be a starter in week one. I thought he had the opportunity to because of how their depth charts sort of worked out with Charles Onyemata being suspended. Apparently, that was the plan for the Saints was that they were going to have him as their starter. Uh, this is a guy that was almost, I mean, he was pretty much an afterthought coming out in the 2019 draft process, landed with the Bears uh, as part of their preseason roster, did some really good things, have made the climb all the way up to be being almost a surefire roster player for the Saints. And now this ends up happening to him. That's absolutely brutal. Uh, just hate to see that for him. Uh, players that were cut during this time, R.J. Prince uh, for the New England Patriots. Uh, he ends up getting cut. Bug Howard, who was kind of a late signee uh, right before the preseason started for Buffalo. He got cut. Austin Prohl cut. Uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers. That one was one that probably should have been seen coming. He did not play in their preseason game the other night uh, on Monday Night Football. That was pretty much a telling sign at that point that he probably wasn't going to be able to stay on the roster. And then William Sweet gets cut with the Atlanta Falcons. So that's your look at the guys in the NFL, of course. Uh, coming down the stretch at the end of this preseason week is when uh, they the rosters will be cut all the way down to 53. So you go from cutting five each in the first two rounds of cuts all the way down to uh, 53, cutting 27 yep. in your final. So we'll, we'll see. I think a lot of guys have pretty good potential to make the roster this year. We'll see how many actually make it, and we'll tell you about that next week uh, when we wrap up the preview show uh, for the game against Virginia Tech. And, uh, yeah, that wraps it up for this show. Next week's huge, guys. We're going to start going in-depth on Virginia Tech. That's the week where we get prepared uh, for that game. We'll have a full preview for you, tell you our expectations for the game against Virginia Tech. It'll be very similar to what we did last year. We'll tell you the guys uh, that need to perform well. We'll tell you the keys to the game, all that kind of great stuff. Uh, heading into that matchup, break down the matchup for you and uh, give you our official predictions heading into game day up in Blacksburg. Uh, again, 6 o'clock kickoff on 
on Friday. Make sure that you guys remember that. Uh, it'll be uh, a crazy environment. Carolina has been uh, preparing all offseason, though, for that environment. So we'll see uh, how they look coming out in that first game. We'll also have you covered on the blog side of things uh, with the preview uh, heading into that game. It'll be an in-depth one where you guys will be able to see uh, everything. We'll try to get you know some reports as to who is going to play. We've done the injury reports for the last few years in there, the projected depth charts, which we should be getting a depth chart somewhat soon here. It'll be probably an unofficial, or actually they should release an official one here pretty soon, but uh, we'll see on that. Hopefully they do release that before the first game of the season. Mac Brown, as we mentioned, said that Monday is the time frame where he hopes to have a lot of that stuff figured out, so hopefully he will uh, have something on paper that Carolina fans and we can look at to be able to break down for you guys on the site to have you prepared uh, for that opening game against the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, of course, after the game is over, we'll have the recap for you. Hoping to get that up that night, uh, as well as the uh, trench report, stock report. All that stuff is coming back this year, so make sure that you keep an eye out on that. And that'll be uh, the normal sequence of events once again this year. Uh, we'll have you covered throughout the year uh, with all of those things each game week. Uh, so make sure that you are subscribed to the website, uh, as well as the, uh, the Facebook page. That's where all that stuff is. Uh, there. You can check out the Facebook page at Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. Also check out the Twitter page at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. For all the podcast side of things, we put all of those on those social media feeds as well. You can also subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Google Podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those major sites. Uh, we uh, are on those. We're also in the process of joining a network, so we'll let you know a little bit more about that when that is official. A uh, lot of really great stuff that's coming on the podcast side of things for you guys. And we're still going to be doing the video podcast during the season, so make sure that you guys are tuning in for all of those. Uh, we were thinking about maybe potentially doing a special for the game against Virginia Tech, but not really sure that we're going to be able to do that with the fact that uh, you know some of the a lot of the COVID restrictions are starting to come back, and understandably so with the numbers spiking. So we're we're probably not going to be able to do you know something a little creative like we did a couple of years ago for the game against South Carolina. But uh, we're still going to be doing the video podcast for you guys. We're going to be doing a lot of those live throughout the season as well, so you guys will be able to interact with us uh, throughout the season. Uh, you know, sending questions, all kind of stuff like that and we'll go through and uh, answer your questions all sorts of stuff about the Tar Heels as they roll through this extremely exciting season so make sure that you are following along again social media the best place to do that and if you want to follow us personally on those social media pages you can follow me at HTB Anthony on Twitter Josh at HTB Josh and then of course you can follow our recruiting analysts who we're still going to be in touch with because there are some recruiting storylines that are still you know looking like they uh they, they may be coming to an end here pretty soon uh and Zach Hubbard you can follow him at HackZubbard2 on Twitter. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>